There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sports. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. So you are listening to The Grill. Uh, we have got FA Cup third round action coming your way in a few moments' time. That's just kicked off. Uh, we'll tell you why all the games are kicking off at either one minute past the hour uh, or uh, 31 minutes past uh, the half of each hour. Uh, a good reason for that in just a few moments' time. In the meantime, though, there is uh, some developing news down in South Africa. Mark Archer is on top of that for us. Yeah, big wicket for England. They've dismissed the danger man in the South African middle order. Quinton de Kock's been caught. Jimmy Anderson bowled Sam Curran for 20, which means that's South Africa now 198 for 5. They trail England's first inning score of 269 by 71 runs. Five wickets remaining, so the game is very much in the balance. Uh, Rassie van der Dusen currently 67 not out, having been reprieved off a Stuart Broad no ball being caught behind. He's still there holding the South African team together. He's been joined at the crease by Vernon Philander, who's currently five not out. Handy batsman Philander averages 24 in test cricket. So South Africa 198 for five in reply to England's score of 269. Mark Archer, I know you like a little uh, a nuance, a novelty in sport. Any reason why, uh, or do you know the reason why every single game in the FA Cup third round today is kicking off a minute late? You know what? I, I saw this before I came in today and I thought you would ask me that and I didn't get around to researching it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did ask myself why are all the games kicking off at one minute past or 31 minutes past? I, I'm, I'm intrigued and I'm interested to know the answer. They, they are kicking off at one minute past or 31 minute past because of this campaign that is playing at every single game um, around the uh, FA Cup, this, the Emirates FA Cup this weekend. In life as in football. We all go through highs and lows. We can all sometimes feel anxious or stressed. At moments, even the little things can seem a struggle. But we can all start to change things. Every mind matters and heads up. We'll show you the simple steps you can take to look after your mental health. Helping to boost your mood, improve your sleep, and feel ready for life's ups and downs. Search Every Mind Matters to get your mind plan. It only takes a minute to get started. So that is, of course, the iconic voice of the Duke of Cambridge, Prince William, who is fronting a new mental health campaign uh, and using football uh, as his platform as well. This is playing at all the Emirates FA Cup games today and will be played uh, throughout the Premier League in the forthcoming weeks and months as well. And the video itself tells its own little story. Uh, Monty, you're nodding away, so you've obviously seen it. A number of very well-known faces throwing their support behind the campaign. Indeed, Tom. Uh, I mean, men- mental health is, is, a, is a serious uh disorder to have and 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 we have to uh, be aware of uh, you know uh, about this ab- about the consequences of mental health and i'm i'm, I'm totally uh, with the uh, with the, with the premier league the fa cup what they're doing today is amazing for for the game and uh, we have to keep in mind that uh, in in this world where we we all are so stressed out you know a lot of people we don't know what they're going through etc so it's important that uh, even uh, premier league footballers even premier league footballers exactly yes because they don't have the, I, mean, I mean look at the look at the fixtures they have to play uh, four games in seven days eight days they don't really have a life it's it's all about stress staying away from family etc so so uh, i think i I think it's it's a very good uh, cause. Nine games, uh, nine games underway at one minute past seven in the latest uh, uh, swathe of uh, FA Cup uh, third round games. Uh, and the other thing I like about this, and I know that I'm a bit of an old romantic when it comes to the FA Cup and the third round and everything, is is, is I quite like looking at sort of fixtures and lineups and going, oh look, look, at, he turned up there. I, I was wondering what happened to him. Oh, he used to be there, didn't he? Now he's there. Or, oh, what? He's still playing down there. Uh, one of those games is. I sense an awkward question coming my way. <laughs> not at all. I, we will. Well, well, I, I will pose a question to you if I may. Chris McCarty is not with us. Let's just, let's well, just that, remind that's ourselves. That's why we of want that. to play. I want to play the first name game, if that's all right, because we've got Brighton. Now, Brighton, obviously, Premier League uh, team. They are uh, managed by. 
Oh, Graham God. Potter. Graham Potter, of well, course they are. Okay, my, my first point to you, Mark, Mark Archer. Graham Look at Potter that. Potter and his merry army. He has yeah. been he has been doing his research over the over the ex- new year. Swansea City and ex that random team in Sweden that Chris used to Ostersunds. travel to. Ostersunds. They yeah. are playing Sheffield Wednesday, uh, and the Sheffield Wednesday are managed by who, Mark Archer? Absolutely no idea. Okay, no clue. I'll no give you. The, I'll give you the surname, and then you t- then you give me the first name, right? It ma- it, they're managed by Mr. Monk, Gary, Bob. Exactly that. Gary Monk. Yeah. Gary Monk <laughs> used to be manager at Swansea. Is that right? Oh yes, he did. Yes, you're absolutely right. Is he down at yeah. Swansea, Swansea for a bit? Yeah. Yes, yes. He's now up at Sheffield Wednesday. So when I was going through uh, the audio a little earlier on, I said, "Oh, look at that! Gary Monk's up at Sheffield Wednesday now, isn't he?" Um, uh, Michael Vaughan and others will be very, very. Is, is he? Is Vaughan a Wednesday? He's fan a Man he? United fan, I think. He's isn't definitely he? not a Man United. He's, he's either a Wednesday or a Sheffield United fan. I'm probably doing I'd him a disservice there. I'd say. Is he? I think we might have just made made ourselves an enemy if we're if we're giving away the wrong one. Then anyway, here's a question: is, is Wednesday the posh club of Sheffield, or is United the posh club of Sheffield? I'm not answering that. Please text us four zero zero one. What is the posh club <laughs> in Sheffield? Are either of them posh? In the meantime, let's hear from Gary Monk. His thoughts ahead of the FA Cup third round. Yeah, Sir Palms isn't isn't quite ready. I'm still um, swelling around his ankle, um, so he'll be missing for this game, um, and then hopefully we have a good look at him. Next week, um, in terms of damage-wise, it's not it's not as bad as first thought. Um, but yeah, the swelling's not where it needs to be in terms of being contention for the for this game of the weekend. The uh, one go and others, are they yeah, contention for the yeah, weekend? Yeah, back out training, uh, been training all um, all week. Yeah, feels fine now. Um, so yeah, he's up for contention. In terms of how you use the squad for for the FA Cup, is this an opportunity for others to to come in and impress upon you their abilities to perform in the championship? I think there will be some changes, but I think that's more of a case of there deserves to be. I think um, we haven't had the week that we wanted. Um, um, and of course, there's other factors inside of how many games we've had and all those things you have to think about. But I think also there's, you know, in terms of the week that we've had, there's some players that deserve opportunity as well. So that's how I view it. So there will be some changes, but um, I think that's because there needs to be. When you look at it in terms of the last few games... Are the players letting themselves down? At the no, I wouldn't say it like that. I just think, um, you know, of course it's not the week that we wanted. It's as simple as that. And we, if you look at it in the week before that, when we played, um, I think it was Brentford, Derby, and then Nottingham Forest, you saw just what we were capable of. And then the following week, we didn't hit those levels. It's simply we didn't hit the levels of that same week that was the week before. But... It's no excuse, but we also understand it's the championship. It can happen. It's happening across the league as we speak right now with, with all teams um, going through certain periods. Um, but of course, we want better. We need to be better. We we should have been better. We know that. There's no excuses from our side, but um, it can happen. What we have to do is is be able to fight back and, and show the desire and determination to fight back and, and do it as soon as possible. Everyone can have a bad week. It's the championship. And unfortunately... If you have a bad week, sometimes you can play three games in a week. That's the way the championship is. Um, but then you saw, as I said previous, you can have a good week and play well and have good points from three games. So it happens, but the key is not to accept it um, in terms of a standard and have the determination and desire to fight back. So that's what I expect from, from everyone at the club and, and all the players to, to come fighting back. You spoke a lot when you came into the club about fundamentals in the last week. How many of those fundamentals are still there and how many were lacking in that last week? I think um, it's been there in, in, in the essence of it, but we just haven't delivered it to the level that we expect, you know, and, and what we've shown in terms of being capable of. And, um, and yeah, I think there was a, a few of those games in our week that were tight and marginal, of course, you know, but we didn't come out on the right side of those margins because we didn't hit the levels that we, we know we're capable of and can do. It is difficult in this period. You know, I accept that, but I think, um, yeah, in terms of the determination to really push to win those games, um, we lack that level to what we had the previous week and what we have been doing. So, um, yeah, that's the bit that we don't accept, and you can't accept that, and um, and you need to fight back from that. And I'm sure they will. They're more than capable. I said it straight after the game, but 
as I said, we have to show that in our actions in these coming games. After all that, still no goals. Brighton against Sheffield Wednesday, 0-0 after uh, seven minutes or so. Cardiff against Carlisle, uh, also kicking off now. No goals to report there. Uh, Fulham are taking on Aston Villa. Bonus point, fellas. Who knows the manager of Fulham at the moment? Oh, good question. Uh, I've got a... F- Scott Parker. Scott Parker. Yes. Good call. Really oh, good call. He's on fire. He's on fire. What did you have for, for your New Year dinner? <laughs> uh, he is taking on Fulham, obviously, from the Championship, taking on Aston Villa, currently uh, uh, in the Premier League. Uh, and Aston Villa are now managed by... Dean Smith. Is the right answer. Let's hear I from think about that. Smudger. I'm not very good at this game. <laughs> no, but no, but that's the thing, isn't it? That's that, that's my point of the managerial merry-go-round. It is indeed. Is that you've got to think? Right. Hang on, who is yeah. still there? Is yeah. it? No, he got sacked. So who's gone in there now? John Terry did gave us Dick a good Caretaker. idea that he was actually the manager, but it is actually <laughs> actually Dean Smith. Uh, let's hear from Dean Smith ahead of his FA Cup third round adventure. Yeah, the win came at a cost, um, and the cost these two key players uh, both got significant knee injuries. Um, which rules them out for the rest of the season. So very disappointed for them personally. Um, if I start with Tom, you know, uh, Tom's a player I wanted to bring in at the start of the season. Um, Premier League player, England goalkeeper, uh, great character and a leader, and he's he's proven that in the dressing room already. Um, you know, and it's I feel for him and his family because he'd been nailed on to go to the Euros in the summer so really disappointed for him and then young Wesley um, you know our record signing come in and uh, an awful lot of pressure on his shoulders Uh, he's made his debut for Brazil national team uh, this season and um, you know was playing really well in the game scored a good goal and unfortunately for him uh, out for the season as well so two key players um, you know I feel very sorry for but We've had five games in 16 days and I think we've got another seven to come in January. So um, we can't go around feeling sorry for ourselves. We've got to uh, deal with it and help the players in their recovery, but also, you know, uh, go and recruit wisely as well. Are they both ACL injuries? I'm not sure of the actual extent. I've been told it's significant knee injuries. So um, they'll go and see the the experts. Uh, So, you know, I, I won't go into the medical uh, terminology of what they've done I've just been told significant knee injury uh, There have been a few goals, we'll bring your details of those in a few minutes time just want to let you know who else has kicked off uh, Fulham against Villa, no goals in that one Oxford against United, Oxford United against Hartlepool is underway and Southampton currently managed by Hesselhoff Yeah, <laughs> not David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Ralph Heffelhoot Hassenhut. They are taking on uh, Huddersfield. Uh, They've had a great Christmas period, Southampton. They have, haven't they? they? picked yeah. up 10 points out of four matches. Extraordinary. Danny yeah. Ings on yeah. fire. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're managed by Huddersfield, uh, man- uh, Huddersfield, managed by... Huddersfield Town is managed by... It was David Wagner who he was fired last year. It's not David Wagner. 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 Uh, I'll give you the surname and let's see how we go with that one. Cowley. So Huddersfield Town are managed by Danny, Danny Cowley. Cowley. Let's yeah, hear Danny from him. I think considering the situation and the circumstances, I think we're, we're pleased with the, the outcome in terms of points. Um, when I first arrived at the club on, 9th, on the 9th of September, we had, we had one point. We, we now sit with 28 points. I think I probably would have given you my right arm there. And then to, to be in this position, it was always to try to get to, to January, to try to um, then... Um, help the, the, the current group of players to, to allow us all as a football club to get to where we want to go. It's one thing getting to January though, isn't it? It's another thing entirely trying to make the most use of the window and getting fresh faces in to help you out of this predicament. Of course, that's, that's the challenge. Um, we've got total clarity over the, the profile of player and the, and the type of characters that, that we want in the building. Um, we understand what we can do and what we can't do. Um, we're, we're working very hard to, to try to give ourselves more balance in the group um, and a little bit more experience and a little bit more leadership. Uh, you, you might want to be um, forth, forthcoming and tell me what players you, you're looking at. I'm suspecting you're not. Mm. But when you talk about you've got clarity of the type of player, what's the core ingredient for a player to fit your type of team? Well, I think first and foremost, I have to, to, to adhere to, to the values that, that, that we have as a, as a football club. Like I said, I've been here 
been here over 90 days now and I start to get a real feel for the DNA of the club. Um, down to earth, honest, hard working, humble people are the people that, that, that historically do well here. Um, so, so definitely with, with those, those values, good learners, hard workers, um, with, a, with a love and enthusiasm for the game, always works well with Nicky and I. Um, and then obviously they have to have the technical, tactical and physical attributes to fit as well. Um, we would like to, to try to get to, to, to the 4 2 3 one. We, we know we'd also like to be able to have a contingency of the 4 3 3. Since I've been here, we'll probably only have one senior number 10 in, in Alex Pritchard, and he's only been available for two games, yeah. which, has, which has made it tough for us. Um, and we've had to adapt as a consequence, which is which is what you have to do, and you have to be tactically flexible, which, which we've been able to be, and it's allowed us to pick up pick up some points but but certainly if we could we could get to to that place um then that would that would allow us to to then start to to build and develop and um get a group of players on method bit of danny cowley there for you bit of danny cowley i do love this phrase that has made its way increasingly into the lexicon of football managers the dna of the club you used to hear about Barcelona, Real Madrid, perhaps Manchester United having a certain DNA. That seems to have extended all the way down to the lower divisions. Certainly seems to be there uh, at Huddersfield at the moment because they've got DNA uh, with Denny down at Huddersfield. They seem to be holding Southampton, their Premier League partners or, or opponents today, nil-nil uh, as far as we can see at the moment. However, there have been goals. Rob, what can you see? Yes, I can tell you that Carlisle United have taken the lead against Cardiff City. Please do not ask me who is the manager for Carlisle United, but uh, they've taken the lead. They are 1-0 up on Cardiff City. Hartlepool lead Oxford United. Norwich, without Timo Pukki uh, up front for Norwich, um, they have taken the lead through Adam Uche Ida. Uh, I can tell you it's a much-changed side, this Norwich side. There's no Alex Tetty, there's no Timo Pukki, there's no Tim Krul, um, there's no Grant Hanley or indeed Kenny McLean either, but they've got a, a very young side on on, uh, on the pitch today, have Norwich, and they have taken the lead against Preston North End. Watford, of course, now managed by Nigel Pearson, um, who seems to have steered them, or at least starting to steer them, in the right direction. They've taken a two-goal lead um, up against Tranmere Rovers. So Watford lead Tranmere Rovers, and Nathaniel Chalobo, Ch- uh, Chaloba and Tom Delibasiru have uh, got on the score sheet for Watford. At home now, to, to, at home today to Tranmere Rovers, two 0 up. I can tell you that uh, Carlisle United are managed by Gavin Skelton, uh, the English football coach, manager, and former pro, whose sister Helen used to be a presenter on Blue Peter. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. You can have that. that. That's an incredible that. piece of trivia. <laughs> that, that's too, too random even for a pub quiz, I think. Uh, let's get to uh, La Liga for you, shall we? 22 minutes on the t- clock. Here's Getafe against Real Madrid. Uh, yes, Tom, it's uh, nil-nil after 22 minutes. And Real Madrid, if they win tonight, would head back at the top of the La Liga. So let's wait for some goals. Let's wait for some goals. Aren't you got an update for us? Yeah, another wicket has fallen in uh, Newlands in Cape Town, South Africa now. 207 for six. Last man to go was Rassi van der Dusen. Caught Ben Stokes, bowled Sam Curran for 68. So a good knock by van der Dusen in his only second test match. Philander is nine. Pistorius is four. South Africa, 207 for six. They're trailing in this first inning score of 269 by 62 runs with four wickets remaining. The game is very well balanced into the third session on day two. We've heard from Bronzy, Lucy Bronze, that is the UEFA Women's Player of last year, a man who also won plenty of accolades during his illustrious playing career um, and, of course, is still involved in the game and, of course, has been very kind to Dubai Eye, Mikel Silvestre. He certainly has. He's a former pundit, a former uh, guest who, who used to appear on Monday Night Football when we were down at the Dow and Anchor, former Manchester United, former Arsenal, former France defender Mikel Silvestre. He's moved very uh, skillfully into the world of football management. We'll have more on football managers a little bit later on in the show. Mina Raiola, the super agent, making some headlines. But Mikel Silvestre is now an agent himself. And uh, he caught up a little earlier this week at the Globe Soccer Awards with none other than our very own Chris McCarty talking about Bayern Munich, a, a, a player who is under his charge. Joshua Xerxy has broken through a teenage talent at Bayern Munich. He talked a little bit about his former clubs, Manchester 
Manchester United and what direction they're going in under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the kind of impact that Mikel Arteta can have on Arsenal. But starting the conversation with a panel discussion that he'd had with various other illustrious individuals on the role of social media in football. How important was it? That was the question that Chris put to Mikel Silvestre. I wanted to, to understand what was the dynamic for them uh, because it's, it's part of uh, every day's life, you know, and they spend time on the training ground and I wanted to see how they manage this because it's, it's, it's big. I mean, they've got more than 5 million followers each, which is bigger than population of Bosnia, yeah. as they go in, for Amazing. example. And it's, um, it's a key element for them uh, to share their passions, engage with the fans, interact. Uh, commercially it's important and then in terms of social engagement and responsibility it's also a big platform for them so uh, it was good to understand that they all pretty much uh, choose exactly what content uh, they, yeah. they, they post uh, which I was surprised because I would expect they would have a not an army but a team of people who would say okay today we're going to post this tomorrow that and but it, it shows that the players are, are clever intelligent as a football agent that you now are how important is a social media presence I mean when you sit down with aspiring young kids and I appreciate Mikel you're dealing with superstars as well social media is that now a part of the conversation it's, it's part of it um, when they are with us not, not before you know uh, because uh, first they've got to be good and intelligent players yeah. right and some some players now they bad to say in, in general so some of them uh, because they've got an amount of followers I mean the young players they've got 50 100,000 followers they think they made it and this is not the, the case so they've got to stay uh, grounded uh, and that's our job to, to do that because first of all it's, it's a career and before you made even even if you made your debut debut with the first team it's, it's not it's not evident no. that you're gonna have a career and a long-lasting career that going to last for 15 years when I bumped into you this morning you had a smile as wide as your face over a young boy at Bayern Munich who is one of yours let's talk about him because well he has catapulted himself into the headlines in the last couple of weeks coming off the bench to score not once but twice in consecutive games is he the real deal well the funny story Chris is that uh, he hasn't scored in the reserve and uh, it was difficult for him because um, he wasn't starter for the reserve, so he had to get some game time with the under 19s. Because wow. he just turned, I mean, he's still he's still uh, 18 years old. And uh, first first appearance Champions League, he came on a few minutes, and then Bundesliga, a few days later, first touch, first goal. Second game, second appearance, the following game, first touch, first goal. <laughs> so it's a it's a dream come true uh, for Joshua, the, this young uh, uh, Dutch player. But again, that's our job to make sure he, he understands that uh, there is so much work he needs to, to do to, to beat like Lewandowski. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's Bayern Munich, the expectation and everything. It's, it's difficult to, to get first team uh, minutes, but he's done, he's done amazingly over, over 20 minutes of first team football. It's amazing. I remember you being on our show, Mikel, and you spoke eloquently about Ousmane Dembele. You were such a huge fan of, of him and his talent. We've got a new youngster now at Rennes, central midfielder, just 17 years of age, Manchester United, Barcelona, all the big clubs apparently interested. How good is he? He's very good. I mean, uh, technically, uh, he's reading, reading the game more like a 20-year-old. A lot of maturity in his game. That's why everybody is, is amazed, because at, at 17, he's doing stuff like uh, uh, Adrien Rabiot is doing and and the Kante and, and, and the Pogba sometimes. I, mean, I know he's, he's not that level, but his, his potential is is frightening. And um, and that uh, coming from Rennes Academy, again, another good prospect. So I think he, he has a, a great future ahead of him. We've got to get your thoughts on Manchester United. Mikel always comes back to that, of course, as a former United player that you are. Signs of, of improvement under Oli? Is, is it going to be one of those seasons that's a write-off? We've got to bed in the youngsters. I mean, how do you assess where Oli is at and, and where Manchester United are headed? It's a tough ride, I think, uh, when you're a United fan at the moment because you don't know what to expect. Uh, there is a lack of consistency within uh, the 90 minutes and also within the performance game after game. And uh, I think the difficulty now is to, to win the so-called smaller games because if you look at the table within uh, the six top teams of England of the Premier League, uh, Manchester is at the top. 
Yeah. So they've 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 managed to win those games, and that means they've got quality. They've got the answers to those uh, questions. But when you play the the Burnleys, the Sheffield, the, the Watford, uh, you those points are also three points. Yeah. You know they cost as much, and they they should mean as much for the players. So. I think it's it's more mentally that they have to work now, and also to break down uh, lower, uh, compact group of, of players defending the, the 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 goal. You know, it's 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 another it's another scenario. They don't master it at the moment, uh, so it's going to take time. Again, it's a young young squad, so we've give, we not we need to give uh, give more time to Ole and the players. Pogba, their next season for you, inevitable that an exit's coming. Hopefully, he will be there next season. Uh, it depends on uh, on the project. You know, if he feels like uh, there's a hope for the the team to really compete for the Premier League title, I think he might stay. Uh, but if there is no chance and no improvement and no European football, which is the case at the moment, uh, it's most most likely he would be looking for an exit because uh, when you're world champion and uh, you've got so much expectation and talent. You can't be uh, happy with uh, playing just uh, on Saturdays and, and Sundays. Where do you sit on Arsenal given Mikel Arteta, the managerial role, Mikel? I've spoken to enough people. Some people say, listen, Pep Guardiola can call him excellent. He's got no experience. Other people say, well, what have we got to lose? He's a youngster. He's a younger man, should I say. He's not got any baggage. He's fresh ideas. Where are you at on that argument? I think it's a, it's a top job because um, you you need a little bit of experience. Uh, I mean, as a first team coach, yeah. and he, he's been only a second or third coach in, in staff, great staff, learning from Pep Guardiola, and he, I'm sure he's had very good managers during his career as a coach, as a player. But it's a different story now, and um, there is uh, the the dressing room to to uh, to maintain, you know, the egos and everything else. So it's. It's going to be tough for, for Mikel. Uh, he's got the backup from the owners and uh, the managing, managing team at the moment, so it's good. I mean, it's a, it's a great challenge. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Uh, Monty's keeping an eye on this one for us. 33 minutes gone uh, between Getafe and Real Madrid, and it's still scoreless, 0-0. Oh, and uh, both teams uh, oh, deadlocked. It? Oh, there's a goal now, as I speak. And... And the goal scorer, Rafael Varane, the French defender, gets on the score sheet for Real Madrid. A cross from Karim Benzema and uh, a great... No, no, sorry, it's a cross from the other side of the pitch to, to Rafael Varane and 1-0 Real Madrid. They're checking for, I think, possibly offside, VAR. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. But as it stands, Real Madrid opening the scoring uh, against Getafe. 34 minutes on the clock. Mark Archer's watching the cricket for us. Yeah, another wicket for England has uh, been taken. It's Dwayne Pristorius, caught Ben Stokes, bowled Jimmy Anderson for four. It means that South Africa are now 208 for seven. Bit of a slump going on here. A couple of quick wickets by the English team. Means that England, uh, South Africa now trail England by 61 runs. Only three wickets remaining in their innings. It's uh, Maharaj, the new man at the crease. He is on one. He's uh, joined Vernon Philander, who is on nine, not out. So England could take a handy first innings lead into uh, day three if they can wrap the uh, South African tail up in the next uh, hour or so. There are, I can tell you, three overs remaining in the day's play. England are in a really strong position now. South Africa, 310 for seven. Uh, what is happening with that VAR call? Uh, went to VAR. Looks like the goal stands. Is that the case, Monty? Yes, it is. Uh, it's 1-0 Real Madrid confirmed. And the goal scorer is Rafael Warania. 1-0 Real Madrid heading to the top of the La Liga. A couple of other scores to bring you from the FA Cup third round. Robbie Greenfield's casting his eyes over these. Yeah, currently Brentford nil, Stoke City nil. Brighton is currently nil-nil with Sheffield Wednesday. Carlisle took the lead against Cardiff City. The goal scorer for Carlisle, Jack Bridge. He missed the penalty, scored on the rebound in the 12th minute. So Carlisle lead Cardiff City. It's 0-0 between Fulham and Aston Villa. Hartlepool United need lead Oxford United by a goal to nil. Mark Kitching 
the scorer there, Tom. Norwich City have gone 2-0 up against Preston North End. Adam Uche Idar and Onel Hernandez, the goal scorers in the second and 28th minutes, respectively. It is 1-0 to Blackpool against Reading. Nathan Delfineso is on the score sheet for Blackpool. 0-0 between Southampton and Huddersfield and Watford lead Tranmere Rovers by a margin of 2-0. Tom Delibashiru opening the scoring on the 12th minute. Nathaniel Chaloba adding another on the 14th. 3-0 Watford at the moment. So I think they just scored. Another yeah. goal's just gone in for Watford yeah. and the latest scorer for Watford? Pereira is the latest goal scorer. 3-0 Watford against Tranmere Rovers. We'll get that confirmed for you uh, in due course. In the meantime, though, it's 2020 and it is a brand new year for what promises to be a thrilling finale to the latest edition of the Gallagher Guinness Premiership. The first time in their history, Bristol have done the double over the Leicester Tigers. They win for the first time here at Welford Road for 17 years. Harry Thacker with the decisive score. Chips over the top, looking to Gavarez. Oh, brilliantly done! Brilliantly done! They are losing! And George Ford conjures the magic! Umanga out there to launch for it. Kibarigi, Nizam Carr, bursting down the wing! He's there! He's got the ball score! What a dramatic conclusion! Witten trying to draw a one-on-one, gets it out to Simmons, who's got great pace, Simmons will make it into the corner. Exeter have their second. Backwards. in all sorts of trouble, and White will hack on, and White in a race for the line. So just a couple of the highlights from the 2019, and I correct myself, Gallagher Premiership. It's not the Gallagher Guinness Premiership. That would be an amalgamation of the two main leagues uh, over in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, taking uh, out of account the top 14 as well. Uh, Gallagher Premiership back for a conclusion of the 2019 to 2020 season. Good season so far, Mark Arch. You've been a bit critical of Northern Hemisphere rugby in the past. It's a funny old season because so many of the clubs in the English Premiership and also in the Pro 14 lost all their players to World Cups. So the matches did continue during the World Cup but you've got to remember that the final of the Rugby World Cup was November the 2nd the, the Premiership kicked off in late August and so so many of those teams were depleted it's a funny old season the Premiership because we talked about uh, Leicester who have just completed a win today uh, 31-18 over Bristol Leicester one of the traditional powerhouses in English rugby down in the 11th position not quite last because Saracens started the season and they lost 35 points deducted through that uh, through the issues they had with um, the salary cap. So <laughs> Saracens, who are playing at the moment and are currently leading Worcester 24 points to nil, are now at, a le- at negative 12 points. So to say that Leicester are doing well um, in 11th is not saying much because they are bottom of the table bar Saracens being behind them due to that points reduction. So a couple of results to bring you, Tom. Obviously that result from earlier today, Leicester defeated Bristol 31 points to 18. Uh, ongoing Saracens are leading Worcester 24 points to nil, just about half time there. And your beloved Gloucester um, playing their big West Country derby match against Bath. Do lead Bath seven points to six, uh, five minutes to go to half time. So, one result to also bring you from last night um, was Sale thrashed Harlequins 48 points to 10. Sale now gone third in the table. So, it's an interesting they season. They look good, Sale. Yeah, Sale well, look good. Look, Sale. Faf Duplessis, World Cup winner, halfback. Um, so it's a big been a, season. It's a funny old season in the Premiership, just due to the fact that the World Cup obviously played a massive role in depleting teams, and they did play on matches. And then the Saracens situation, where they've been negative thirty-five points, just distorts the whole league a little bit, doesn't it? it just doesn't feel quite as though the season's really got going yet. But we're not saying that they're going to get relegated, are they? They will survive. Well, they? they've got from negative thirty-five. They've now gone. They're now negative twelve points. They're going to win this match against Worcester. Another week or two, they'll be in the positive. And then what happens? There was some speculation over the last week or two that the Premiership might get ring-fenced, which means there'll be no relegation. That's been mooted. I don't know if that's been mooted because Saracens and Leicester and a few big-name clubs, big sort of founding clubs, big clubs that have been part of the Premiership since its origins, are floundering. That would be a bit uh, controversial, I'm sure, to some teams in the the First Division wanting to go up. But uh, that would be a massive statement if halfway through a season they decide to ring-fence it would be highly controversial, I thought. But uh, it, the, the ongoing debate about promotion relegation in the in their premiership's been going on for a long time. It's not the only rugby taking place today, Tom. There are matches in the top 14. I can tell you a bit of upset on the cards. Leon are leading the top 14 at the moment, but they are trailing at Argen into the second half, 12 points to nil. 
And I can tell you a couple of results also coming in from the Pro 12. Uh, Glasgow have travelled all the way to Italy to defeat Treviso, 38 points to 19. And uh, one result, uh, actually no results coming in there. I can tell you the Dragons, Newport Gwent Dragons lead the Ospreys, 10 points to 8. And Zabri, the other Italian team in the Pro 12, lead the South African outfit, the Cheetahs, 13 points to 8, almost half-time in those matches. Um, well, if it, you know sporting sort of uh, bucket list, if, if ever you get the chance to go to a West Country derby, and I, I know that phrase has now been a little bit diluted by the fact that there's so many strong teams in the West Country over in the UK with the likes of Exeter Chiefs, Bristol, you could even throw Worcester into the, into the mix at the moment as well. Uh, but the traditional um, uh, West Country derby, which has always been Gloucester, Bath, two teams very closely linked, um, both in geography and otherwise. How far? 40, 50 kilometres? Uh, yeah, not, yeah. 40 odd kilometres, you do it in half Just hour across the M4, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, you get down there in no time at all. Um, a lot of history between the two, a lot of rivalry between the two. Uh, if ever you get the chance to go and do it either at King's Home uh, or, of course, the wreck ground in Bath, then try to do so because it is a cracking atmosphere, as has been witnessed by the current Gloucester coach, Johan Ackerman. You go into 2020 with so many teams so close together in the table. Is it almost like starting from scratch again? You press the reset button after you know, a really disrupted start to the season. No, for sure you have to. Um, you have to reset it after every week regardless of the result because every team is going to bring a new challenge. Every team has got um, you know, a lot to play for. And like you just said now, I said uh, this week, you know, Locks doesn't mean anything. Past results doesn't mean anything. Uh, two teams will look at each other and say, "Listen, where we're going to attack, and where where do we feel we can get the the um, you know uh, ascendancy?" And that's what uh, I think Bath will do, and what we have to do to Bath and and see where we can exploit them. But it's going to be a, a massive challenge because, like you just alluded to, everything is so close. You always say that. It's another game rather than a special game, but the fans obviously will feel differently about it. How can Gloucester use that emotion of the occasion and the atmosphere that it will bring? Yeah, I mean, I, I know I said that, but I also know the players that have been involved with the club for a long time and over the last few seasons know the importance of, of the Bath game. But I, you know, just want players, my expectation from a from a players every time when you put on the jersey there, there must be motivation there must be a why why do you play this game the love for the game every player will have his own personal motivational reasons and 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 and, and that's what i you know mean by um bath is a big uh, local derby we acknowledge that and we appreciate this history but we have to be good for 80 minutes if we put on the jersey regardless of who we play you know that that is just that we stand for we we pretty represent the club and the supporters in every game, not just one one game a season. So, you know, as as big as the occasion is on the weekend, I want the team to perform well every week. And Bath come to King's on off the back of a really tight win over Sale. What do you make of them? Yeah, I mean, you can look at Bath as a team, as a group of players, and there's quality all over. You know, there's, there's World Cup winning uh, players in, there's top international players in, there's X-Factor players in. Um, they got a, a, I think they're number one in the in the lineout. So set piece, they are very good. Uh, they are, have always been physical. Uh, so yeah, so when we expect a, a challenge on all fronts, and I don't take too much in like we just spoke about. You know, they they their performances uh, this season. Uh, they just beat a, a, a good sales side, and they are a, a side that can beat any side on the day. The Gloucester potato farmer, Johan Ackerman there. Uh, born and bred uh, throughout his life. He's leading <laughs> something of the South African revolution down there at King's Home at the moment. Uh, it pays to employ a South African these days in rugby. <laughs> he brought his son in as well, plays number seven for us. I can tell you, though, just that match has gone into the second half and uh, Rhys Priestland has kicked Bath ahead. Three penalties for the Welsh uh, Welsh fly half. It means that Bath now lead Gloucester nine points to seven. Let's hear from one of Reese's uh, teammates, a man who's been ripping it up for England in recent times as well. Uh, plays vanker, plays for country and club. And I didn't know this, but apparently he's studying politics and economics at the University of Bath. You wouldn't want to get into a political or an economic debate with him. Let's hear from Sam. What do they call him? The bulldog or someone like that? What was he? He was one of, one of the kamikaze kids. Kamikaze kid and the hill. Uh, very excited, yeah, all the boys, really looking forward to it. It's been a good week, training, obviously 
Uh, there's a bit of sort of added, added atmosphere, added energy uh, being a derby week. So no, uh, yeah, very excited. Uh, Gloucester are a side that play abrasive front of rugby. Where do you think their threats are on the pitch? They've got a decent, decent pack. Um, I think. I think they're pretty, pretty abrasive. Uh, they've got a good back line. I think they've got some, some good threats out wide and they get the ball there. So I think for us that'll be a challenge, sort of containing that, that attack. Yeah. Um, and Kingston can be quite a hostile place to go and play rugby away from home. Um, other side prepared for um, what's to come on Saturday? Yeah, you could call it a hostile environment, but I think it's all it's all sort of a good atmosphere. It's good good sort of environment to play in. It's an awesome stadium. It's a great sort of great atmosphere and great sound there. So um, it's somewhere that I, I enjoy playing. I think the rest of the boys are, are very much looking forward to it. Um, Bath will be searching for a third um, consecutive uh, win in a row this weekend. Um, what have they got to do to secure that? Much the same. Like I think we've gone well. The last two weeks we've kind of focused on on what we do and, and staying in the moment and not not sort of overthinking and trying to trying to solve problems on our own. So um, I think they've been good team performances. So from from us it'll be looking for more of the same um, and trying to trying to keep the momentum going. Unbelievable goal! This is the grill live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Let's give you an update on what's happening in the football. Why? Because there've been a couple of goals since we came to you last. Uh, let's go to Robbie Greenfield. Yeah, Brentford have taken the lead. Third place championship side. Brentford have taken the lead over fellow championship team Stoke. Emiliano Marcondes at Griffin Park has given Brentford the lead, doing well in the league and currently leading Stoke City in the FA Cup. Half-time whistle has just blown there, Tom. It's still nil-nil between Brighton and Sheffield Wednesday. Carlisle United, as we approach half time are leading Cardiff City now by 2-0 they have increased their lead Jack Bridge scored the opener we're still waiting on details of the second scorer that came on the 45th minute for Carlisle United Hartlepool lead Oxford by a goal to nil Norwich are now 3-0 up against Preston North End that game looks safely in the bag for Norwich Adam Adam Uche Ida scoring his second Onel Hernandez got on the score sheet as well for Norwich City Blackpool lead Reading by a goal to nil it's still 0-0 between Southampton and Huddersfield Town and Watford fully in charge against Tranmere. Roberto Pereira, as Monty just told us a few moments ago, getting that third goal to add by add to strikes by Tom Delibashiru and Nathaniel Chaloba. Uh, what's happening in La Liga halftime, I believe? Let's get the report from Monte. Halftime at, uh, at the La Liga between Getafe and Real Madrid and it's Rafael Varane's goal that separates both teams. Real Madrid heading to the top of the La Liga tonight. Thank you very much indeed. What else is happening? Arch has just given me the finger. I'll give you the finger because there's another wicket down at Newlands in Cape Town and Jimmy Anson has now taken his 580th test wicket. He's got three for 34, the swinger from Burnley, Jimmy Anderson, uh, after 16.4 overs. He's just uh, got uh, Maharaj caught behind by Joss Butler, bowled by Anderson for four, which means South Africa 215 for eight. We're almost at stumps. Uh, on day two, that means that South Africa, from a promising position, have really slumped in this final session. England are, are well on top. So uh, South Africa, 215 for eight. They trail England by 54 runs, two wickets remaining, and almost stumps over in South Africa. Going to keep on. Uh, just a quick uh, word on the on the uh, the uh, South African bowling attack, though, because I've been impressed with them uh, in the series so far. Um, we know that South African cricket has been under a bit of a cloud in recent times. We know that they struggle uh, to get the right team out at the right time for all sorts of different reasons. But I just thought that the way that they're, they're, they're quicks and, of course, their spinner in this latest game as well have performed in the last couple of tests have been impressive. This one kid, um, Norche, is it, uh, that, 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 that doesn't look like he's quick, but bangs it in. Yeah, and he's a bit of a bounce bowler, isn't he? Yeah. So if there's a bit of inconsistent bounce in the pitch, if he bowls just back of a length, he gets the variable bounce. It looks as though he's got like a heavy ball, a ball that really gets big on it. And the batsmen don't know whether to get yeah. forward to him, that they get caught on the crease, and he gets done. We know how good Vernon Philander, we know how good Kagisa Rabada are as new ball bowlers. They don't give you a lot. Rabada's aggressive, Philander bowls line and length, bowls top of off stump, just nibbles it all the time. He's at you, he's at you, he's at you, doesn't give you any pressure relieving balls. And then the new kids come on, Norcia, who's come in and bowls it into back of a length and uses that uses the big steep bounce he gets. So it's a it's a good attack. Victorious is a good cover as Victorious, well. Victorious and then you've got Maharaj bowling his left arm spin. So it's a well balanced South African bowling yeah. attack. It's just they've got the same problems of England. They can't score enough runs. Yeah. They struggle with their top order, puts pressure on some of the batsmen like De Kock and Duplessis in the middle of the, middle of the innings, and they just haven't really got the, the all-round batting players there to really 
put a mountable score together. So, yeah, South Africa, in some ways, similar to England. Better bowling attacks and batting attacks, I think it's fair to say. Joe Root hasn't won. Did he, he didn't, they didn't win a Test Series England in 2019. Am I right in saying that, Arch? Lost against... I think it was the first time since 1999. Lost against England and then lost against New Zealand. Uh, did they play another series earlier in the year? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I think Pakistan, um, wasn't it? Was that yeah. a Test Series? Pakistan upset them as well. So, yeah, it's been a disappointing... For all the highs of the, the 50-over World Cup success... Uh, that the test team has suffered, and obviously, you know, we've well documented what's what's gone wrong with the test team. And um, the one-off test that they played after, right after the World Cup, I think, I think, I think Ireland they got uh, skittled out for eighty-one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so it hasn't been a great year, uh, Archie. Uh, I need to uh, lean on your things, uh, all your expertise on U.S. sport. Where are we at? Well, interesting time. Uh, basketball was still sort of halfway through a very long season, but. All excitement, all focus on the US is on the NFL because the playoffs get underway in the next 24 hours. The season started with 32 teams. The playoffs get underway. There are only 12 teams less. And, Tom, all roads lead to Super Bowl 54. February, mark your card, Sunday, February the 2nd, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Halftime show. I know you're excited about this. I know Robbie Greenfield's excited about this. I am excited about this. It's Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. What a double act. You don't want to miss that. It's worth getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning just to see the halftime show if you're not interested in the NFL. So let's hope the Super Bowl is better than this time around. Or at least last time around. When it was was the LA Rams against the Patriots. Oh, it's good. I think it was 10-3 the Patriots won. It was the most awful, (laughs) it was the worst game to get up at 4am in the morning and watch that I can recall because there's been some great Super Bowls. The Eagles beating the Patriots the previous year and then the Patriots beating the Atlanta Falcons coming back from, what what were they? 28-0 down. 28-0 down, I think they were. So um, there's been some brilliant Super Bowls in recent years and let's hope for it looks like the Patriots are up against it this summer. Yeah, it's a lot of work to do for the Patriots because for the first time in many years they've only, well it's unfair to say they've scraped through, but they are playing in the wild card round. So they only, they lost last week against the Dolphins, which means that they only made through as a wild card draw. So the matches to look forward to this weekend uh, on Saturday, it's in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills travel to Houston to play the Texans. I reckon the Bills might get it done there in that match. And then the New England Patriots were, are at home. At least they've got a home field advantage at Foxborough, which is big for them because it's so cold in New England, taking on the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot warmer in Tennessee, so it's quite a tough place to go, Foxborough, to play with the weather elements of there. But just get this, Tom Brady. It's his 41st playoff game, the 42-year-old. And um, it could be his last... He's playing every game now. It could be his last home game. There are talks that he may retire... <laughs> or may not retire at the end of the season. But if he loses... Do you think he's going to retire? I, 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 he had a really bad performance um, in the match that they lost last week. Because usually when it comes to that, someone comes and retires him for him, if that makes sense. Someone comes up who is so good that Tom Brady is left... In, in the shadows. Do yeah, the Patriots and that have anyone happened who matches because that what, what's happened in recent years is if they've had a really good number two quarterback, a backup backup player, they've realised they're not going to get past Brady and they've gone off to other clubs, uh, you know, been traded and, and done that. But Brady, just look at the career statistics though. 42 years old, six times Super Bowl rings, unprecedented. Four times MVP of the Super Bowl. Three times MVP of the league. 14-time Pro Bowls, which means it makes the all-star team. It's just phenomenal what he's done. But he's not taking it for granted this weekend as Tom Brady. Tough match. They've got to, they're at home to Tennessee. But if any man can get it done, if any combination, coach and player, can get it done, it's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Bro, Tom Brady is saying this is what he's looking forward to this weekend. I just think it's important for all of us not to take anything for granted. I think that's, I think that's what, what you think about. Because you know, if you think about it every year that we're in the playoffs, it's, just, it's really that same thing. You know, The team will not be together if we lose whether that was 2010, 11, 12, all the way to now. So even if you're going to the Super Bowl, it's the same feeling. It's this is our last one, and let's try to go end it the right way. You know, this game we haven't played in this particular round of the playoffs, but it doesn't matter. I mean, if we win, then what's the difference? So we just got to go win, and you got to go win. You got to do everything you can when that ball's kicked off to do the best you can to help the team win and put yourself and put the team in a great situation to go win. So it's not easy. It's tough. If we're going against a great football team, they're going to make it tough. We're going to make it tough on them. That's what makes for great football games. 
It's Tom Brady, 42-year-old. He's done it all in football. Will he retire? Will it be his last playoff game? Well, let's hope he's around for the next couple of weeks. So Patriots, they're at home to Tennessee Titans. The other match tomorrow, the early kickoff, is Buffalo Bill traveling to Houston. Matches on uh, the following day, Minnesota Vikings uh, playing away against the New Orleans Saints. I think the Saints are going to be too strong at home. And the Philadelphia Eagles host the Seattle Seahawks. We talk about this time of the season, big-name big quarterbacks have to step up. There's none bigger than Russell Wilson, who is the Seattle Seahawks quarterback. What a talent he's been in recent years. This is what Russell Wilson had to say before they host uh, or travel away to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. I think the great thing about the playoffs is uh, there's only 12 teams left, you know, and, and uh, you know, the great thing is, is uh, we're one of those 12, and it really comes down to, you know, just having a fresh start, new season, just really um, just trying to be great on the road, trying to be great in execution. That's what it comes down to, trying to have a good start um, and have a great finish. So I think uh, that's really what it comes down to. It's nothing nothing magical. Uh, you just you have to make your plays when they're, when they're there. Um, everybody will be amped up and everything else just in general. Um, and uh, the, the team that can, can focus and, and, and settle down the quickest, the, the team usually does the best. So once these teams get through this wildcard weekend, we can look at the, the top seeds who have already getting a bye week, which is a big advantage this time of the season. They've all played 16 matches. Some players need that one week off. In the AFC, the best team in football this year, best record in the NFL belongs with the Baltimore Ravens, 14-2, and two, only two losses on the season. Lamar Jackson, their quarterback, has been outstanding. They are the first seed in the AFC. They'll have home advantage throughout the playoffs, which is pretty big. Tough place to go, Baltimore. Tough place to go and get results. Second seed in the AFC will be the Kansas City Chiefs, and they have a star player at quarterback as well. Patrick Mahomes does it all. Mm. Can run, can pass. He's got the jinking feet. He's got the got the pass. He's he's one of the, the players of, of the next generation, really, who's really come to the fore. In the NFC, the 49ers from San Francisco are the one seeds, and the Green Bay Packers kind of came from nowhere, but they really snuck up on the Vikings uh, in the NFC Central to get the second seed. Aaron Rodgers doing the business there, right? Aaron Rodgers has been as steady and consistent uh, as he's always been. I, I, I think the Green Bay Packers will struggle to make a, a dent in the playoffs this year. They're a tough place to go. The Green Bay is a really tough away match match to get to. 100,000 people up there in Green Bay. It's freezing this time of year. It's covered in snow. It's absolutely frigid in Green Bay. So, But they're going to have to travel. They're not going to get many home games. They're going to have to go away if they're going to get it done in the NFC. So AFC top seeds, the Baltimore, Kansas City, NFC, San Francisco 49ers, Green Bay Packers. You may be asking, Robbie, who are the best players left in the NFL? Who are the players to look out for? Who are the star quarterbacks? Who are the star running backs? This is what our good friends at ESPN had to say on the best players left in the NFL. Who will be the best quarterback? Patrick Mahomes. I love Lamar Jackson, but I'm not sure that uh, I, I can love him more than I love Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I don't think there's more, anything more to list. say about that. Patrick Mahomes is, is cold, and he has all the weapons that you need. I think that he they're the only team that I think the Ravens fear, and they should fear him because that man. <laughs> I'm getting nervous watching him. I hate that speed. It I, upsets me. It's hard to disagree with that, but I'm going to shoot to Drew Brees. I like Drew Brees. I like Sean Payton. I like that combination of quarterback and coach. I think that they are the most lethal combination. I say that because they need it the most. Drew Brees' career is winding down. Sean Payton, he knows what it is. He's been here before. I like Drew Brees to be the best quarterback in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes to me. Uh, Like, like when Patrick Mahomes is healthy, which he is, I mean, he, to me, is the most explosive, you know, quarterback in the league. And I know we talk about Lamar Jackson, his explosive running ability. But running ability. But when we talk about Patrick Mahomes and what he can do as far as getting the ball, stretching the ball down the field, give me, give me that every day. Yeah, Ravens' offense has been the most efficient in the league this year, and it's up there in the top as far as efficiency is for this for all time. However, the the um, Chiefs' offense is better than the Ravens' offense if you only account for the games that Patrick Mahomes was in there. So they are still the, possibly the best offense in the league. Emmanuel, best running back in the 2020 playoffs. Who's to me, be? it's an easy one. It's Aaron Jones, running back for the Green Bay Packers. The dude gave you over 1,000 yards on the ground this year. But more importantly, he gave you 16 touchdowns. In the playoffs, you need somebody to show up, not for 16 weeks, but for three or four weeks. Rachel, he has games with four touchdowns, three touchdowns, Ooh. and he got four games with two touchdowns. I think in this short, condensed period of time, Aaron Jones going to show up and show out. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.